2 Kings chapter four. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me. And he said, what do you have in the house? She said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Isn't it amazing how we say we have nothing except for nothing but? That's an amazing thing. Nothing means nothing, right? I'm just checking. Like, I didn't do well in English. Like, that's what nothing means, right? Nothing, nothing but, she says, a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons and brought the vessels and they brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, watch this, there is not another vessel. So the oil, what? Ceased. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons will live on the rest. <laughs> I wanna talk to you from the subject of how you see what you have. How you see what you have. We've talked about how we see God, how we see ourselves, and now I wanna talk to us about how we see what we have. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. You are so good to us. Thank you for this incredible moment in your presence, in your house, with your people, so that we could be forever changed by your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 I just feel good in God's house today, don't you? You ever feel just good? Even though I got a six-hour drive ahead of me today, and I'm going to just be caffeining it up. Is it okay if I drink a lot of Mountain Dew today? It's all good. All right. <laughs> so even though I've got something ahead of me, I really just feel something in God's house today. I really feel a shift in the atmosphere and I even feel as if God is saying that at the end of this year, I'm going to do something brand new, something unexpected in your life. And I'm, I don't know, I'm not really a prophetic person. I'm not, I don't claim to have the gift of prophecy, but I really believe even now I'm prophesying to you that I believe that God is saying in these last few months of the year, I'm not going to do a continuation of an old thing, even though I might do some, some stuff and continue to do those things. I want you to look for me to do something unexpected, something brand new, something out of left field, something that you weren't expecting from a, from a place you weren't expecting it to come from. I don't know if anybody receives that or feels that in your spirit this morning, but I, I feel a witness to that. There's unexpected promotion, unexpected restoration. There's unexpected recovery of relationships and I just feel that. I, I don't know, but I just, I just give that to you and let you do with that what you will. But this story is really powerful. It's a really, really incredible thought on obedience and faith and this, this ability to perceive that even though in our minds we think we have nothing, we actually have something. She says, I don't have anything but... And even though you might this morning feel like you don't have anything, there's always something left. If there wasn't something left, God would have taken you from this earth. 
there wasn't something left for you to do, if there wasn't something left for you to say, if there wasn't something left for you to think, God would not let you stay here. But because you're here, because air is coming out of your body, you have something left. You have something left. And can I tell you this? It's in your house. I've been really stirred by something that, that has just really been changing and, and shifting my paradigm. It's really been changing the way I think about my life. And it's this, that God isn't leaving my destiny up to something or someone outside of my house. In other words, if, if, if I need it in my life, it's within my reach right now. I don't know if that makes anybody excited or maybe you're looking at your life and you're saying, no, I don't like the stuff that's within my reach. I really would like a bigger reach or even a smaller reach <laughs> would, would be helpful. But I just believe with all of my heart and it's gotten me excited about my life and it's got me excited about my house. And, and the other day I went down into my basement into that little place where you stick all of the boxes with all of the stuff that you don't think you'll ever need anymore. And I was going through it because God began to speak to me. There's stuff that's in your house that you've forgotten about that I wanna use in your life to bless you. And, and I went to this box and I remember just kind of opening it up and looking through some of the things and there were pictures in there. And God took me through some of the pictures of the beginning of our marriage and some of the, the places we lived and some of the things that we went through. And it reminded me that even though I don't feel great sometimes about where I am, I am not where I used to be. And I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you this morning, I just feel good because I know that what I need is within my reach. And I needed to be reminded of that, and that was in my house. I didn't need to go out to some mountain and stare off from the mountaintops to look and see, wow, isn't the world huge? Sometimes the mountaintop makes me nervous. <laughs> Sometimes the mountaintop makes me jealous because I think, man, my, my life is so small compared, but when I look at where I've been and where I am, I realize that my life has actually gotten larger, that things around me have grown and people around me have grown, and God has done a really good thing in my life. What I need is within my reach. I have access to it already. Just some things I see in this story. So, so he asked her, what's in your house? Now notice this. This is the thing about, about your life, that you can't always change your life, but you can change the way you see it. There are just some things that you go through that you cannot change. And you can't, you can't, very often you can't change your life. In other words, you can't go home today and make one decision that's going to turn everything around. It might be a series of decisions. It might turn around in a few years. But I'm telling you, what you can do today is make a decision about how you see your life. You can do that. Now, I, I want to I read a scripture to you that's, that's really been encouraging me about this group of people that Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians chapter eight. And I'm gonna read it from the message translation because I want you to understand that no matter how bad your life seems right now, that, that you have something to look forward to. And you have, you have something, you have access to something that will actually bring into the fulfillment, bring you into the fulfillment of what God has for your life. And I wanna tell you about this group of people that Paul was astounded by. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter eight, it says, now friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways 
in which God is working in the churches in Macedonia province. Watch this. He says, fierce troubles came down upon the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. But watch this. The trial, however, exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. I want to learn. <laughs> I want to learn how to do this. Because I don't know about you, I've, I've lived long enough to have a lot, and I've lived long enough to have a little, and I've noticed that my attitude is affected by having a little. And my attitude is affected when I have a lot. And I would like to say that when I have a lot, I'm just very even keel. I'm just, I'm not too excitable. But no, when that bank account is good, Life is good. And when it's bad, life. And, and I, I read this and I thought, how is it possible that these people were incredibly happy, though they were desperately poor? Because watch what had happened. The pressure triggered. See, a lot of you in this room, you're getting triggered over a lot of stuff. Man, some of y'all were triggered this week. I just read my Twitter feed, and the world was triggered this week. And, and the Bible says that the pressure triggered something totally unexpected. Totally unexpected, because the natural response to not having a lot is a bad attitude. The natural response to being broke is a broke mentality. The natural response to, to trials and tribulation is not like, Come on, man, let's do this. Let's have a great day. No, it's like, oh, God, why are you doing this to my life? I hate everything, and I hate everybody. That's the natural response. And so he was blown away because he, spent, he said, this actually triggered something in them that was totally unexpected. It was an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. Another reason they were poor but happy because even though they were broke, they were still generous. See, the way I get out of not just being poor, but having a poor mentality, because I can be poor and really be rich in my mind. That's why the Bible says, let the weak say I am, and let the poor say I am. See, I might not be rich, but I can say I'm rich. I might not be strong, but I can say I'm strong. I might not be able to change my situation, but I can change the way I think about my situation. Now, watch how they changed it. They changed it by remaining generous. That is the last thing we want to do when we're broke. When we're broke, we're expecting generosity. We're believing for God to do something for us. And God is saying, really, truly, the way out of your situation, it's not to sit around and wait for somebody to help you, but it's for you to, in your broke self, in your weak self, in, in your messed up self, to go help somebody else. And it will trigger an unexpected response in your life. So watch this. What they, watch what they did. They gave offerings of whatever they could. Watch this. Far more than they could afford. Hold up. So you're telling me that their lack actually created their supply. You didn't catch that. The Bible says that they gave more than they had. 
my mind goes to, <laughs> so that means they wrote a bad check. <laughs> Have you ever wrote a check in, on Sunday and prayed that it cleared on Monday? I don't think that's what God was saying. I think that because they determined in their heart that they were going to do more than what they had the ability to do, that created a supply to do what they only wish they could do. I'm just telling you, when you dream in your heart of being a generous person, that's why the Bible says the world of generous people goes larger and larger. You don't even have to try to make your world bigger. You don't even have to try to get more influence. You don't even have to try to get more money because if God sees you as a person who dreams about doing more than what you can do, then he says, I'll give you the supply to meet what's in your heart to give. Woo, that is really good. So what if your lack is actually creating your supply? What if your... <laughs> What if your poverty is producing your prosperity? What if your pain is producing your purpose? See, see, what if your pressure is triggering something totally unexpected in your life? What if you think that because of what you're going through, there's this result that's gonna be reaped or produced in your life? But what if God says, what that normally works in a person's life I'm going to produce something totally unexpected. <laughs> See, most people, when they go through that, would want to kill themselves. But because you're my child, but because you belong to me, when you go through that, I'm going to trigger in you something unexpected that's different from everybody else. What if when you go through that divorce, you want to get depressed and you want to go into a corner and cry and, and remove yourself from people for the rest of your life? But what if God wants to do something totally unexpected in your life? What if your pain is actually producing your purpose? What if your struggle is actually producing something really big in your life? What if your test is actually going to produce your testimony? What if your brokenness is actually going to produce healing? What if? So you've been looking at it wrong. Because when you look at it with the world's point of view and world's perspective, you see that this action, this thing that I'm going through, this is the result it produces. But God said, no, not in the kingdom. It's actually the opposite. You don't actually climb a ladder to get to the top in the kingdom. You actually come down the ladder and help other people get up the ladder in the kingdom. The kingdom is totally flipped. So what you meant for evil, God actually. <laughs> see, what, I guess so I got to see it differently. I might not be able to change it right now, but I can change the way I see it. Watch this. I don't always get to choose what happens to my life, to me. and You don't get to choose always what happens to you, but I do get to choose what I name it. Genesis chapter 35, the Bible tells us about Jacob and Rachel. The Bible says that she is having a son who would be called Benjamin. But as she's having this son, she names him literally, the name means son of my sorrow. Why? Because as she's having him, she dies. So in her condition, she names him something that represents her situation. She dies, son of my sorrow. But Jacob comes in and he says, you know what? I'm not gonna allow this boy 
I, don't get, I, I didn't get to decide how he came into my life. I didn't get to decide this situation, but I am gonna decide what we name this boy. And he changed his name to Benjamin, which means son of my right hand, son of my favor, son of my strength, son of my power, not son of my weakness. See, let the weak say I am strong. You can't tell me in that moment when his wife dies and his son is there that he's not broken. But he doesn't name his situation broken. He doesn't name his situation sorrow. He names his situation strength. Because I just, I just am trying to get across to you that you don't have to have every line, everything line up for you to be happy. You don't have to have money in the bank to be happy. You don't have to have the house that you think you need to be happy. You don't have to drive the car that you think you need to drive to be happy. True happiness is not when my situation changes, but when my mind changes about my situation. And if I can't get my life out, I will get my mind out. So watch this. So he says, what's in your house? She says, nothing but this jar of oil. Now, I don't blame her for thinking. I got nothing left. It'd be like saying, somebody asking me, what you got left? Uh, nothing but like some expired mayonnaise. Let's make a sandwich. No, that's not like, <laughs> that is not how I'm thinking about that mayonnaise. <laughs> I love this show called Chopped, and sometimes they get the weirdest ingredients and make the craziest meals out of these strange ingredients. And I'm thinking about my life, and I'm thinking, sometimes I get some weird ingredients. <laughs> Have you ever got some, like, squid juice in your life? Like, whoever thinks to cook with squid juice, like, like that, but somehow they take it and they turn it into this incredible meal. And you're like, who eats that stuff? <laughs> but apparently it's not about the ingredient. It's about what you do with the ingredient. Apparently in our life, it's not about what gets handed to us. It's about what we do with what gets handed to us. And apparently in our life, it's not, what about, it's not about what people do to us. It's how we respond to what people do to us. So she, she said, I, I got this uh, jar of oil. He says, I got a plan. <laughs> and I love this because what he does as a prophet, is he calls her attention to something in her house that she doesn't see as valuable, but it's valuable. So in other words, she would overlook it. It took a prophet for her to measure it. I'm telling you that you're walking past miracles every day and your relationships are determining how you see what you have. 
the people that are speaking in your life are so important because they could either see what you have and say, yeah, that's got no value. Or they could see what you have. And even though you don't think it's valuable, they call out the value in it. Are you surrounding yourself with people who see what God sees in you? Or people who see you for who you were and what you've done instead of people who see who you, who you are in Christ and the potential you have now that you are in Christ. Because when you come to Christ, your potential changes. What was oil before is a miracle and debt payment now. What, what, was, what, was, an, what was a gift that you thought wasn't a big deal is actually your breakthrough now. What David thought was just something that he played out in the fields with the sheep to pass the time was actually a breakthrough in his life. That same thing that he played in the fields to comfort him while he was alone was the same thing that would break the back of the spirit of depression off of Saul. What you see as normal, God sees as abnormal. And could it be that your normal is actually somebody else's miracle? Or, or have you got to the point where the stuff you used to pray for and now you have, you forgot that God did miracles for you? I was sitting with somebody one time and they were talking to me and they were, they were about my age and they were like, man, I just thought I'd be so much further in my life than I am now. I just thought I would be so much further along. And I said, hold up. I knew you when you were 20. When you were 20, you were a broke college kid. Messing around with crazy women. <laughs> Never had money in your pocket. Bouncing from job to job. I'm not looking at the same person anymore. You have a job you've held for the last 10 years. You married a woman who loves you, loves you enough to have four of your kids. And you're sitting here telling me you should be further than you are by now. Sometimes you need a prophet that will come into your life and tell you that what you have is valuable. Because sometimes you can't see it. Sometimes you cannot see the value because you are distracted sometimes by what you lost. See, she, she, she starts to tell the prophet at the beginning of the story, my husband is dead, I have debt, and they're about to take my kids. She starts to give him the laundry list of everything she's lost and all of the stuff she's about to lose. And he has to tell her to, to remember, hey, 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 I know you're focused on what you lost, but let's get your mind back. What do you have left you need people in your life that will remind you, hey, you've got something great. Your, new, your, your normal is somebody else's miracle. Can I tell you, if you drove here in a car and you weren't bused here and taken off of that bus in a wheelchair and rolled into this service, your normal is somebody else's miracle. And while you're complaining, see, see what you're complaining about, they're begging for. 
See, America needs to hear this because we, we refuse to be content. That's why we will put ourselves into ridiculous debt just to have and to have and to have and to have. And what you had 20 years ago, some people are begging for. And what you have today is filthy rich. You're running around with your health. Talk about I don't have nothing. You, you wake up every day and you don't have to take a pill to keep your heart going or a pill to keep your mind right. You're normal as somebody else's miracle. Do you realize how many people have to wake up and take a pill to keep their heart going, a pill to keep their cholesterol right, a pill to keep their, their head right? And you're walking around, I don't have nothing. No, your normal has become the thing you complain about. And to somebody else, it's a miracle. That's really good. That's convicting. That's convicting, man. There's a story. I, I, I was listening to Jensen Franklin just a few weeks ago. We were in L.A., and he was preaching, and he told this story about this book, this, uh, this book called Acres of Diamonds. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. You ever heard of this story, Acres of Diamonds? There's this story about, well, I'll just, I'll summarize it for you. There's a, there's a farmer, and this farmer, this is, this is in Africa, and this farmer sees all of these um, all these people making all of this money by going and mining and getting diamonds, right? And so this farmer, he, sell, he sells his property and for a very low price, and he leaves to go chase down this, these diamonds. And so he spends, his, he spends his, most of his life trying to find these diamonds, never really discovers anything. He ends up broke, and he ends up jumping in a river and killing himself. Very sad. Unbelievable. Well, the guy that bought his property is actually one day standing out in, 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 a, in a water, a, running, a place with running water on the property, and he sees something kind of shiny in the water. And he reaches in the water, and he pulls out what he thinks is just this big kind of crystallized rock. You ever pulled out one of those or saw one of those? You're like, wow, this is amazing. And he takes it home, and he sticks it on his shelf. It's huge. He sticks it on his shelf like just a little designer piece up there on the shelf. He's like, that's really pretty. And then a friend comes over one day, and the friend happens to be in, 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 the, in the diamond industry. Comes over to see him, and they're just talking, and he looks up on his shelf, and he goes, where did you get that? He said, I found it out in the, in, in the water out, outside. He grabs it, and he looks at it, and he says, this is probably the largest diamond in the world right now. So they literally go out and they farm his field and they find hundreds and hundreds of diamonds on this guy's property. The same property that the guy sold to go find and because he couldn't find it out there, he got depressed and killed himself. When all the while it was on his own property. Some of y'all are farming somebody else's field. And you need to farm what's within your reach. <laughs> she listed her losses, but it took a profit to make her measure what she had left. This man did not know what he had, so he sold it. 
And the man who lived on the property didn't know what he had, so he put it on the shelf as a little piece of designery in the house. Just, hey, look at that. That's nice. He didn't know he had millions and millions of dollars in his reach. It takes somebody else to see what you call common is actually abnormal. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear this, man, because everybody's like, I need more, I need more, I need more. And it's like, no, look around. Your more is actually around you. It was underneath that guy's feet the whole time, and he didn't notice it because he refused to look at what he had. So he revealed the significance of something that she thought didn't matter. The prophet did. He's not the creator. He's just the revealer. <laughs> and here's the last thought, and I'll close here. The story speaks a lot about the thought of capacity, because if, if you look at this story, you don't see this, then you're just not looking at it, because when you look at the story and, and, and the prophet says, go get jars, borrow as many as you can. She borrows as many as she can and she's filling them up. And then she asks her something for another jar. And he says, we don't have any more jars. And when the jars ran out, the oil stopped. Literally speaking to us about our capacity. We have to grow our capacity if we want more oil. You, you cannot grow in your, capac your capacity if you insist on your comfort. <laughs> Because in order to grow your capacity, you have to expand. You, you, have to, you have to grow your mind. You have to grow your heart. You have, to grow, <laughs> you have to let your dreams get bigger. You have to let your thoughts expand. You have to let, you have to let the, people you, the, the type of people you allow in your life to expand. Maybe you're missing out on the miracle God wants to do in you because you're looking for the miracle to come from somebody who looks like you. Well, God's saying, I'd like to give you a Lazarus. I'd like to give you something in your life that, that is raised from the dead and becomes a testimony that you can't help but grow and you can't help but expand and you can't help but be who I've called you to be. I, I don't wanna just give you a situation that looks like you, a situation that looks like you can solve. I wanna give you something beyond you. I want you to speak to something and call it out of the grave so that I can... I wanna grow your capacity so it's about making space. It's about making space. If you're taking notes, write this down. Your ability to believe will never catch up with God's ability to perform. Think about that for a second. Your ability to believe will never catch up with God's ability to perform. We used to say it like this when I was growing up. You cannot outgive God. Can't do it because every time... You believe and you trust his ability to perform overshadows your ability to believe. <laughs> now watch this. The Bible says that they get these jars and watch how this whole thing begins because this is, the, this is how I wanna end. This is where, this is where I wanna finish today. It says that she starts to pour out the oil. And as soon as she starts to pour out the oil, the jars begin to fill up. When they run out of jars, the oil stops. So it doesn't just speak to me about my capacity. It speaks to me about this idea. That the oil doesn't start. The oil stops because of lack of capacity. But the oil doesn't start until I start pouring So God cannot replace what I have poured out until I have emptied myself of what I have. 
I cannot receive supernatural until I have reached the end of my natural. That's why my grace will make you strong. Where? In the area of your weakness. As soon as you come to an end of yourself, then you tap into who I am. And some of us are like, we're at the, I'm at the end of myself. That's good news. Because what that means is his supply is getting ready to rush in. You say, I can't pour out anymore. That's good news. Because his supply is getting ready to rush in. You say, I can't serve anymore. That's good news. Because his supply is getting ready to, I can't give anymore. That's good. Because his supply is now going to begin to flow. You cannot get into God's strength until you exhaust your strength. She had to pour it out for the flow to start. What are you holding on to that God's asking you to release so he can, he can move in with the supernatural? Will you stand on your feet with me today? So how do you see what you have? Do you see it differently? Are you gonna go home and look for diamonds in your backyard? <laughs> Guarantee you somebody's gonna go buy one of those metal things and they're gonna be in their backyard this afternoon like, That's the mindset we need to have about our life. I'm constantly looking because I've realized something about God. He is always up to something good. So I'm constantly looking. I got my thing out. Where's it? And I'm, his spirit's leading me. I'm constantly looking for something good in my life because God is constantly up to something good. I just have to start looking within my reach instead of constantly Looking out there, in 10 years, I'm going to be great. No, you're great now. You won't be great in 10 years if you're not great now. Greatness doesn't come upon you. Greatness is something that God puts in you. You'll be great in 10 years, not because you're great in 10 years, but because you're great now. I tell you something about doing things. You will never do them until you do them. My dad has this saying when we play golf. He says, Rob, 100% of all putts that never get to the hole never go in. I said, wow, dad, that's deep. But it's true. If I don't give it a chance to get to the hole, it cannot go in. 100% of the things you never try will never be done. Father, in Jesus' name. We're asking you to like the prophet to come speak to us about the nothing but in our life. We have nothing except. Speak to us about the except. Speak to us about the thing that is, that is there that goes unseen. Speak to us about even like Samson who was in a field and he was getting ready to fight a thousand Philistines and the Bible says that he looked around and the only thing he could find was the jawbone of a donkey. It was within his reach. He didn't have access to his sword. He didn't have access to his weaponry. He had to grab something that was around him. It was within his reach. And he slew a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. What we are walking over, we are walking past miracles every day. Help us to see the miraculous in the monotonous. The miraculous in the mundane. The miraculous in the routine. The miraculous in what we have, not what's coming, but what we have now. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, 
Amen.